I could call a crossover here. It's a brief crossover as I say goodbye to you and hello to our next guest. So uh, so welcome back to the Gooners podcast, Mr. Alan Smith. Uh, it's great to see you again, my friend. Great to see you, Mike. How are you, boys? All right. Uh, doing doing fine. You know, it's only hour two of twenty four, so you're getting me you're getting me on <laughs> fresh. But, oh, I'll um, tell you. I, I didn't know you had so, so much stamina, mate. Well, I don't know if I do, you. but I don't know if I do, but um, but we'll see. But uh, Elliot, I just want to say thank you for uh, for helping us kick off the show. Uh, obviously, uh, the the chat loves you and 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 agrees with a lot of your opinions. Um, your support uh, on social media, on your podcast, and most important to me, in our private conversations, uh, has been amazing. And I, I honestly can't tell you how much our, our you know the the last year of us getting to know each other better is, as uh, uh, just, it's really that your friendship and support means a lot to me and, and I truly appreciate it. And, um, and, and you guys do an incredible podcast. We, where can we find you? Not block yep. you, but where can we find you? <laughs> uh, just go to arsenalvisionpodcast.com. Check it out. Block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. And I guess if, if my number has to go up on the board, uh, going up with, with Alan coming on, I guess I, I can probably live with that uh, for the rest of my yeah, life. Yeah, we should do like, yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> if I had just prepared for this podcast, I would have made like an electronic thing that had the picture of the outgoing guest and the picture of the incoming guest. But <laughs> we don't expect anything professional from you, Mike. It's fine. No, you, you, you know me that well. Um, so thanks. Elliot, I appreciate it, and uh, everybody, check out Arsenal V. Sign up for the the, the Patreon, um, support them in every way you can, and hopefully, we'll all be together in uh, in in a city near you soon. Absolutely, and we will have our Arsenal Foundation um, fundraiser in the future too. So, plenty of chances to give to good causes this uh, this summer. One hundred percent. All right, take care, Elliot. Thanks. Cheers. All right, bye bye. So the, the 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 Streamyard thing says kick guest from studio. It just it sounds so like aggressive. Like, yes, it's it's time for Elliot <laughs> to leave, but it sounds really aggressive and angry. Like like I don't want to kick him out of the studio, but but Alan, uh, it's great to see you again. Uh, I as long as I'm throwing out thank yous and 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 appreciative comments, you've been a, a an absolute gem. The last I mean, just really the last three or four years uh, between your support of the of the the charity. Being able to to meet you and and uh, and kind of show show you off to my fifty friends on the on the pitch before the Arsenal Leicester game a, a few years ago. <laughs> yeah, when are you coming over again, mate? Um, I have. Alone, sure. <laughs> I, I I've tentatively earmarked the the second half of October, but there's so many different things. My passport is still in renewal stage because I I lost it in Florence a couple years ago, and I had to get a replacement. That expired, so there's there's a bunch of stuff going on. But my hope is to get back this this fall, maybe as soon as uh, October. So I'll, oh, I'll be, be good to see. You. Yeah, I'll be in touch. Uh, hopefully, the, the 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 stadiums will still be full, and, and it'll be possible. Yeah. So uh, we got some people who are happy to see you here, Anton. Um, we have uh, Cy Anvesh, who who you know he's all right with Lee Dixon, but but FIFA hasn't been the same without you. The news broke of your non-renewal with FIFA on this podcast just about yeah. a year ago today. That's right. I did. I told you, didn't I? Yeah. I think you were asking me about, I don't know, FIFA. I was like, I was like, are you getting ready for the new season on FIFA? And you're like, yeah. well, they didn't, they didn't ask me back. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. But as I, as I tweeted at the time, all good things come to an end. I had a great run with Martin and uh, it's just nice that people enjoyed those nine years that I did. Uh, and I certainly did. So, uh, you know, we move on, don't we? We move on. Yeah. We that, were, that, we that's, that's a like, a, um, an absolute 
like golden moment of my childhood is growing up playing FIFA and you talking about scoring the goal at Anfield um, because my brother is an absolute my brother is an absolute diehard Liverpool fan and for him to be reminded of that on such regular occasions was absolutely golden so for that thank you now, now, oh now that's you, okay you've either just called Alan old or you've revealed yourself to be about 17 years old <laughs> I think he's just called me old no, I, I, all right. Um, he's not far off. But, uh, is he, how is do I kick him out of the, the It is, yeah, yeah. It's oh. all. And apologies for the dodgy spelling. No, I hope, um, I hope I gave you some favourable comments whilst you were playing. I mean, you know, and I wasn't too hard on you. Well, thanks very much. <laughs> a lot of people say I'm too hard on them when they're playing the game. Now Lee Dixon is out, and they've replaced him with another Gooners podcast alumni. Uh, or alumnus and Stuart Robson. I mean, they're just yeah, yeah. They love, they love the Arsenal uh, uh, punditry. Don't they? I know you hate that word, but mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, see something. I, I I'm not sure whether Mike is anything um, for you, Alan. But something I wanted to pick your brain on, and it, it, it isn't even Arsenal related. But I think would be remiss to to not I, talk about it while you're on let, the. Let me let me interject real quick though. Because yeah, yeah, I, go I, ahead. I don't yeah. want to do this in the middle of it. Uh, I, I just want to start off every hour, if possible, by reminding people who might have just joined us. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a fundraiser uh, for the Gooners versus Cancer campaign, uh, raising money for the Leukemia Lymphoma Society. If you look at the at the at the crawl at the bottom of the screen. There's the website, www.goonersvcancer.com. If you like what you're seeing, if you hate cancer, if you would have the, the ability to help, uh, please go there and donate. And when you donate, you will get virtual entries into our raffle. And we're drawing great prizes all throughout this 24-hour podcast. Uh, in about 45 minutes or so, we'll be drawing a, a signed retro shirt signed by uh, the one and only Alan Smith. And so you're going to want to make sure that you enter before that happens, not after that happens. So GoonersVCancer.com. And uh, and sorry, uh, Owen, back to no, you. No, no, no problem at all, buddy. No problem at all. That's what it's all about at the end of the day. Um, no, but Alan, what, what I was going to ask you was, Lionel Messi has obviously been announced uh, as, a, as a PSG player. And, and I think for somebody my age that... Lionel Messi being at Barcelona was always just a sure thing growing up and now with Cristiano Ronaldo not being at Real Madrid, Lionel Messi not being at Barcelona um, it's a bit of a strange one but what do you make of that move for Messi do you think that that was maybe uh, I've seen a lot of people saying that it was a bit of an easy move for him that he, maybe people would have liked to have seen him test himself a bit more so what do you think of that move as a whole for, for Lionel Messi? Yeah, it, it seems like a good fit to me. Obviously, with, with Neymar and some other um, former teammates and uh, compatriots um, being there, Pochettino as well, of course. Uh, it, it, it seems like a good fit. Yeah, you could argue, you know, the French League isn't as strong as, for instance, the Premier League. Uh, but would it be a little bit late for Messi to come to England? I don't know. I'd have loved to have seen him. I'd have loved it. And obviously, Manchester City probably were the only ones capable of getting that deal over the line uh but with what else they've got going on with, with Grealish and possibly Harry Kane perhaps it was just the wrong time but um it's great that he's still at one of the big clubs sad for him the way it ended at Barcelona but um uh he's still got some good years left in him because he he's just that shape I know he's in his mid-30s but um he perhaps might not have that burst of acceleration that he did in his mid to late 20s. But uh, 
what a player. So he's still well capable of entertaining us when we watch the Champions League. That'll be it mainly. Uh, but I'm sure a lot of us be watching the French league now as well because of him, because he's box office. So uh, yeah, when, when, yeah huge, when you lose, when you lose the league to Lille, well, when you lose the league to Lille, you have to go out and basically just buy the greatest player in the history of the world. Um, I love how Owen's talking about these these experiences growing up. Like, I mean, like like he's 12 years old. But you know who was ever present with Barcelona when I was growing up? Johan Cruyff. <laughs> so, yeah, the difference between you and me, but yeah, the um, it, the last time you did join us, Alan, was about a year ago. In fact, it was the day before the uh, or the or the couple of days before the season opener last year. And I don't think any of us saw an eighth place finish coming, especially fresh off of having just won the FA Cup, the Charity Shield, uh, Community Shield, whatever it's called these days. Um, and you know, I was too depressed to listen back and 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 find out exactly how we predicted it, but. You know, we just barely beat, pipped Everton and Leeds to an eighth place finish last year. How are you feeling yeah. about the the year to come? Uh, I mean, do you think we build off of the second half success we had last year, or well, is it more the same? you'd hope so, Mike. I mean, it's difficult to be too confident about it, and I think perhaps Arteta and his coaches wouldn't be overflowing with uh, optimism privately uh, because they haven't managed to get rid of a lot of the players that they wanted to finances uh, are forcing them to operate with one hand behind the back. They can't go out and pay too much for players. Um, so it, it, it is going to be difficult, you know, an improvement for Mike. You would hope the boys would be able to achieve that. But, you know, top four, I think you can forget about that. Top five, perhaps it will be difficult. It, it's just those couple of places, isn't it? Sixth, seventh, maybe. And, and, that, and that's just so sad for me to even hear myself saying that, you know, about, about a club, my old club, Arsenal, where we're used to being in the Champions League, used to, well, we're not used to competing at the very top now, are we? We once were, but um, it's going to be a long road back, I think, unfortunately, unless something seismic happens, unless Daniel Kroenke decides to play millions into it in order for us to make those strides quicker. But um, I just Maybe. hope it will be a better season. And the fans are going to play a big part, of course, as well, Mike. You know, if they get a bit disenchanted and get an Arteta's back, and then it's a tricky situation for him. If 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 we are on the upswing, let's let's say we kind of do do have an acceleration of, of our fate and and we put some pieces together, have good luck with, with health, we start to actually make some sales that generate money that's reinvested smartly and we, we're back on the upswing. The way that the game is going, and we're going to probably ask this question of a number of people, both journalists and, and ex-players, is top three even possible anymore? Uh, I mean, because anything that, I mean, yes, Leicester won the league less than 10 years ago, but, uh, and which must have been a thrill for you. Uh, but the, um, I mean, anything that a team does to put themselves in the next echelon of, of, of teams is just going to be responded to by City and Chelsea and probably Manchester United, who who do it a little bit differently. They do it from their commercial revenues, not uh, mm. you know, not not from doping from the owners. But I mean, is, is it even ridiculous to just even to, to think you can get a second or third place finish in this league anymore? Yeah, it, it's easy to think that this is the status quo now, and it's going to be like this for the foreseeable future. But you know, you look back in time, and things don't stay the same. You know, for instance, Pep Guardiola leaves Manchester City. They employ somebody they think he's going to work and it doesn't quite work and they lose momentum. 
Um, Chelsea, you know, it wasn't so long ago uh, they finished in a lower position. Well, if so Roman leaves, fine, right? If Roman Pardon? leaves and, and if Roman leaves and, and and says, "I want my billion and, and three quarters back." That's I, I could see Chelsea dropping down two levels. Well, that would be uh, a struggle. But yeah, we shouldn't get too we shouldn't get too depressed about it because we've seen it does go in cycles, and we shouldn't uh, get too down on it. The, the, the city and I remember when we won the league in 1991, and I can remember because we'd won it in '89, and we got a good team, and the papers were saying Arsenal set to dominate for the next ten years, and obviously it didn't turn out like that. So you just never know in football. It's it's funny as well because this is the example I always throw up because um, I think as football fans sometimes we can be a fickle bunch in 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 not giving credit to as you said how quick those cycles can pass and and the example I always give is it wasn't too long ago that Liverpool were playing with the front line of Fabio Barini, Ricky Lambert, and Mario Balotelli. Um, and that 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 was just a while ago, and since then they've won the Premier League and the Champions League, and been to a Champions League final as well. But Alan, something we covered in a lot of detail with Elliot was um, Pierre Emerick Aubameyang. But as somebody who played in the striking position themselves, I I was looking to get your take on something that's been really worrying me in pre season and and the majority of last season was was our chance creation and our ability to score goals. Um, <laughs> Is this a systemic problem? I mean, the excuse that's often thrown out is that the strikers can only put away the chances that they're given. Um, now, I know there's this thing, the strikers' union, where strikers will always defend themselves, but genuinely, what do you think the reason for our lack of ability, the lack of ability to create and score chances in is, and how do we remedy that? Well, I'm sure they'd love to remedy it, with, with another number 10, another creative force. You know, it's been no secret that they've been trying to get hold of one, whether it be Odegaard from Real Madrid, Madison's been linked, of course. Um, so that yeah, some strikers can create chances for themselves. There's no doubt about that. I was never really one of those. I did depend on service. Now, I think Lacazette's probably similar to that. Um, Aubameyang's a big one. I mean, I don't know what was said before, but... Uh, we need a big season out of him. He had obviously trouble on and off the pitch personally as well as professionally last season, so that didn't help. But he, he's still a good player, a, a, a fine finisher, probably the best at the club still. And uh, Arsenal depending on him a great deal. But yeah, I mean, you can't put too much on the shoulders of Emil Smith, though, can you? I mean, he burst onto the scene last year, but he's still a youngster, he's still learning the game. Uh, so the balance isn't right at the moment. Hopefully it will be by the end of August in terms of those creative players just behind the strikers. But again, there's plenty of questions to answer about the strikers, aren't there? You know, about Lacazette in his last year and everything. And should we be going for another? Tammy Abraham being linked. I don't know if that's just paper talk, whether Arsenal could even afford that now at this stage or not. I, I would quite like to see Abraham there. I think there's a, there's a very good striker in him, uh, as he's shown. Uh, mm -hmm. in fits and starts. Um, but, I think there's, uh, a, there's a lot of negative yeah. connotation to him being like a quote-unquote Chelsea reject. But, you know, I think people are just scared off of the whole William David Luiz situation. But I think Tammy Abraham yeah. has the profile of it's a different. It's a different situation completely yeah. to those yeah. national. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you, know, young, to, you know, he want to prove himself, Mike. He's, he's still got that desire, hopefully, anyway. Um but, um, I mean, that, that's something. We, we don't know how that, that's going to pan out. But 
defensively, we were we had one of the best records, didn't we, back end of last season? So you know, unusually for Arsenal, it is about how many goals we're going to be able to score. But even do you want to know what? And 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 it's the exact same thing, Alan, with the Tammy Abraham um, links. I think that. Arsenal fans probably more than most, and again, I'm not generalising an entire fan base that I'm part of, but but a certain proportion of it tend to turn their noses up at people. And somebody you mentioned there was Martin Odegaard, and I thought he was absolutely fantastic for us. Okay, statistically, his output in terms of goals and assists weren't very good, but I thought something that he gave us was was a heartbeat. He was able to set a tempo, which other people thrived off, the likes of Nicola Pepe and Bakayo Saka, Emil Smith-Rowe. Do you think that maybe people have got this sense of new toy syndrome where they think, we've seen Odegaard, I want something different? Whereas that maybe a deal for Martin Odegaard would be potentially, not just financially, but stylistically, much more viable for Arsenal to do than, say, James Madison? Mm. Yeah, I, w- I would certainly prefer Odegaard ahead of Madison. I mean, if Leicester are willing to let James Madison go, that does tell you something about the player, perhaps, perhaps about his character. Uh, I'm only speculating here. Obviously, he got into one or two scrapes with Leicester last season and, and, and before uh, off the pitch. Um, so, I think back to that West Ham game when he just ran, ran the show, didn't he? He was magnificent. And this is a young lad coming into the Premier League for the first time. So, he's, he's shown that he can do it. Uh, you know, the situation at Real Madrid, like Barcelona, you know, financially, they're in dire straits. So it's just whether perhaps Arsenal have got enough money to be able to force the hand. I don't know. Um, what do you but think yeah, I, I really liked him as a player. What, what do you think it takes to, to seal an Odegaard permanent transfer? I mean, just... What, in terms of uh, figures? Yeah, I mean, we, we were hearing 60s and now we're hearing 30s. Yeah, I mean, who knows? I suppose as it gets closer to the deadline, as always happens, it's... It's a negotiating tactic, and, and Real Madrid's um, figures might might lessen. Arsenal's might go up a few notches. Uh, it would be good. I think it would give everyone a lift as well. I mean, you, when you talk about some Arsenal fans, I haven't heard the scepticism, but for me, he's a quality footballer that's only going to get better. You know, wants to do well. He's a leader for a young lad. Uh, he's a leader. He captains his country, doesn't he? Um, mm-hmm. He does, he yeah. Has done. So that that tells you everything about him as a character. So and you it would talk, be a great signing, I think. You talk about chance creation as well, and and just briefly, I'll, I'll say this is um, we talk about the ability to create chances in the final third, and his statistical output in terms of his accuracy for passes into the final third were absolutely ridiculous. There were, I mean, there, there's one of our friends does tactical breakdowns of players that are linked with Arsenal and he runs comparisons to players who have been at the club or other players that we're linked with. And Alan Martin knows Tom Canton. You, uh, you can say his name. Uh, no, no, but I don't, want to, I, I don't want to give him the name drop because he'll be all chuffed with himself. Well, and because he's on, he's on another podcast as we speak. Right exactly. Now. He's doing, yeah, no, no, I'm not mentioning his name. Anyway. Martin Odegaard comes out head, head and shoulders above some of the most creative players in the Premier League. So I think the fact that people maybe look to... I think, I think Madison's almost like the, the flashy, stylish player's player. You know, that this is it's, it's just somebody fashionable that they think will be better, whereas the reality of it, of it is that Martin Odegaard is is very, very good player um, for the price that he would be valued at, I think. As you said, Alan, somewhere around that thirty to forty million mark is what you get him, rather than the anywhere between sixty to eighty million that Madison would be going for. So, 
Yeah, I mean, you know, we've spent 50 million on Ben White, haven't we? A lot of us thought they hadn't got that kind of money. So whether the uh, the pot is empty now or not, I, I don't know. I mean, nobody knows, do they, I, outside the football club? But if uh, Stanley, Silent Stan, uh, could be persuaded to uh, open his wallet up for, for somebody like that, I think that would give the dressing room a boost as much as anything else to have, have a yeah, talent that- like that inside. The Madison love, a lot of it comes from the fact that we know he can play and knows how to play in the Premier League. And when you compare him to, you know, and I'm not saying they play exactly the same way, but when you compare him to an Awar who we don't know how he would adapt. When we see what happened with Pepe, different position, but, you know, adjustment period for sure, you you, you kind of get attracted. And I've certainly always been this way with, with, with center backs and fullbacks. I've, you know, I've looked at Nathan Ake and, and, um, Connor Cody and and Lewis Dunk and Ben White as being you know worth the money because they know the Premier League already and they don't have to adjust. Martin Odegaard has the advantage of having spent some time. And, can I yeah. can I ask one question there just before it goes out of my head? Okay, and I, I know we're going to go on to one of our guests, but um, somebody mentioned I think this may have been Andrew over at the Arse cast. And I think it was him he, that he said the fact that we were so interested in Husam O'R last summer for a price tag quoted of in around £50 million and now the fact that he's available for in and around £20 million. Alan, is that a sign of maybe bad business, of bad planning, the fact that a player that they seemingly were betting the house on last summer is now completely irrelevant in terms of what they'd like to do in this transfer window? What would what would Arsenal like to do? Yeah, well, so so essentially, what I'm what I'm what I'm trying to ask is is that the fact that they were putting so much time and effort and and supposing mm-hmm. money into trying to get a war this season and now he's at, or last season and now he's at a cup mm-hmm. price this season, is that a sign of maybe bad planning by the club? Um, possibly. I mean. You know, they might have had a, a good look at him over the course of last season in, in France and, and decided maybe he's not developing as they ha- they thought he would. Things can change, can't they, over the course of a season? And, and, and they would perhaps hear things from behind the scenes uh, of where his head is, perhaps. I, I don't know. It's difficult to comment. Um, <laughs> so much in transfer, so much goes on that we don't hear about. And it's, it's easy to to make blithe comments about this and that with, without knowing the full facts. But um, perhaps he didn't. He's not He's not coming on in the way that uh, he suggested he would do. Uh, and then you move on, don't you? I just hope we, we, we are all singing off the same hymn sheet in terms of recruitment because, you know, you mentioned Leicester and Madison. Their recruitment has been second to none. You know, Liverpool's has been sensational over the last few years. We need to be uh, even, you know, clubs like Brentford, obviously, with the money ball situation under Matthew Benham, you know, the way they go about things, they're so well organised, you know, we need to be in that kind of ballpark, competing at that level, you know, that kind of intelligence level, uh, in order to uh, get uh, haul ourselves up that table. Absolutely. So, we've got some questions, we got uh, about another 25-30 ha- uh, minutes uh, with Alan, and we want to s- save some time for the for the big drawing at the end. Um, we got our first uh, uh, open mic uh, guest who is someone who uh, is a good friend of mine from Arsenal, Los Angeles. Taylor, uh, it's good to see you again. Um, Alan, I, I, I meant to ask you, but I think I, I think I asked you privately if you, if you minded taking a few questions from folks on the podcast. I know Taylor. Yeah, I know no, he's no. not 
he's not going to ask you anything that puts you in a tough position. <laughs> I, I I know the guy. Um, but uh, and then we have a couple questions that have been asked in the chat as well. So Taylor, the the floor is yours. Uh, well, first of all, Mike, you're the man for doing this as always. Uh, great. Call Owen's the man when, too. Yeah, <laughs> uh, exactly. Owen, sorry, I'm not. Owen, you're you the boy. Uh, Alan, pleasure <laughs> to meet you. Thank you for all of your years of amazing, amazingness. Yeah, you're too, you're, you're too young, Taylor. I can see that. Struggling. Yeah, I'm a little too young, <laughs> I, but, but with, with a passion for the arsenal. And Taylor's the guy that, that, that came up to you in the airport and said he recognized your voice from FIFA and didn't know anything about <laughs> oh. your time with you. <laughs> Remember the story you That's told right. I don't mind that. Nothing wrong with that, mate. <laughs> yeah. When was that? What year was that? Did you come up to me? No, no, I was. I, I don't know, I'm, I'm kidding. You, you know, I'm, uh, I, thought, I thought he really did then. So, <laughs> uh, okay. so quick question for you. So, obviously, we are in a bit of a, a state of flux right now. And I think that for a lot of uh, our Arsenal fans, symbolically, uh, Xhaka, Bellerin, El Neni, a few of these players moving on was something that we were really looking forward to not necessarily because they're horrible players but because they're sort of emblematic of a time period that we sort of want to move on from and forget and it doesn't really look like that's going to be happening and we know that Jaka in the past Bellerin in the past they've been pretty pretty critically important players in this Arsenal team and I'm just curious, you know, as a player who's played for a couple different teams for a long period of time, you, you've gone through flux yourself. Uh, how, how do you see Arteta sort of treating the situation or the team responding to this situation where there's a very clear set of players that are a part of this rebuild? And then there are the players that we've sort of tried to move on from but haven't uh, th that are still there. I don't want to say that they're you know, contributing to disarray. That's not my point at all, but two very different groups of, of players. How do you deal uh, with it? That? It is. It, it's a coach's nightmare, really, Taylor, to have players there that they know you don't want and they don't particularly want to be there. Um, you know, they know you've been trying to sell them and it, and it hasn't come off. So they feel disenfranchised uh they feel that the manager doesn't rate them doesn't want them and they'd be they'd be they'd be right uh so that that is awkward but it, it is a modern day coach's dilemma in the premier league especially when you've got these lads on big contracts that other clubs in other countries aren't able to match and so you're stuck with them uh and arsenal aren't the only club that are in this predicament um but he's he's got to try and uh, use his uh, his coaching now to to get by that and and keep them uh, engaged because there will be occasions when he needs certain players. Um, so it, yeah, it, it's a hard one. I think I said at the start uh, that uh, there were players that the club wanted to get rid of and they haven't been able to. Uh, it might be there's still time. Obviously, it might be that uh, they will be able to offload one or two and, and free up some money as well. But uh, for those lads that don't want to be there and the manager doesn't want them to be there, you'd hope that the, the attitude is right. You know, I think in the main we've got we've got good lads in the dressing room. That's not always been the case, but somebody like Bellerin, for instance, I don't think he's he's going to go and spit his dummy out and be a problem on the training ground from Monday to Friday. You'd you'd hope not. Um, it's just something Arteta's got to get on with, basically. Yeah. I mean, oh, go ahead, Mike. 
I, I, I was just going to ask if you had anything else, and uh, before we go to some, yeah, just some questions one quick, quick question. Um, you know, we've been bringing in a lot of younger players, and I've been really excited by that. Um, I'm just curious, on a personal note, are there any uh, one or two young players around Europe that you've really been keen on? Uh, not necessarily just to come play for Arsenal, but that have been sort of blowing you out of the water with their skill. Well, no, none that come to mind immediately. I mean, the ones you know that you would immediately think of have probably already been snapped up and cost big money as well and this is why i was talking about recruitment and being clever about it and and picking lads really before they've made a proper name for themselves i mean william saliba was a little bit like that wasn't he a, a lot of people everyone knew about him everybody knew he was talented but he hadn't got to that point yet where it was going to be an auction and people outbidding each other and we managed to get him. Now, what's gone on behind the scenes there, I don't know. But it's kind of that raft of talent, I think, investing in potential that might not come off. But with good coaching and a good environment, ho hopefully it will. That's the market we're in. You know. Do, do, do you think that that? Do. do you think that that's a trend we are now starting to see more so than in the past, Alan? The fact that, and I think this window more than ever, that clubs are now starting to invest their money. And players, like you said, before they hit the prime, whereas whereas in the past we would see players move for sort of maximum value at in and around 27, 28, whereas clubs are now realising if we sign these players to four-year contracts when they're 27, 28, their resale value is non-existent. So now we are starting to see players like Ben White move for, for £50 million, pounds, whereas in the past that would have been maybe when their transfer values were lower. It's what Leicester City has done a great job at because yeah. I mean we've been rumored with Soyuncu, we were rumored with, uh, you know, there, there's another Turkish player there like Cenk Tozen, I think who ended up going to Everton. There was uh, Dennis Prate. I mean, and 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 ultimately we didn't move on these guys because they weren't necessarily good gambles and risks for us. But Leicester snapped them up, and at least in some cases with Soyuncu, you know, they're going to have the benefit of a great player who they didn't pay much for or a player that they can turn around and flip for a massive profit. We're now in that situation, aren't we, Alan, where we kind of have to when, yeah, jump at those when guys you get and these, When you get players of this age, of course, and this is what Arteta desperately wants, is players with desire, players that haven't yet made it, who are desperate to prove themselves and are desperate to work hard and, um, you know, take on advice from the coach, not lads that have seen and done it all, won the trophies, and that's why the William, you know, transfer was such a mystery, really, to me. Uh, it seemed to go against what Arteta was after. Um, but, yeah, if you can get a, a team of hungry players, you know, even if, if, the, if the talent level isn't comparable with Manchester City's or Liverpool's, you know, it gives you a chance, doesn't it? Uh, it gives you a chance. Um, it, but it's not easy in this day and age because, you know, lads get paid a lot of money at young ages and certain characters will lose that edge, will lose that desire that you need. Uh, and that's what all coaches, I think, are after, that type of character that is desperate to do well still. <laughs> well, Taylor, I appreciate you coming on, buddy. Uh, sorry that we didn't end up getting a chance to meet up this summer. The the, the stars were not aligned in our favor. Yeah. Um, but uh, thanks for being a huge supporter and a friend. And and, uh, and we're going to bring somebody else on right now. But uh, take Love care, buddy. Appreciate you all. Cheers. Cheers. Thank Next is a man who I have never seen this dressed up before. Um, He's looking smooth. I've seen him dressed up in costumes, but not this one. Uh, Stan, uh, Stan the man. Um, 
thanks for joining us. It's it's the middle, midday where you are, and uh, and you're on with Alan Smith. Look, if my mum knew that I was coming on to speak to the legendary Alan Smith and I didn't make a little bit of an effort, she would never forgive me. And to be fair, I am cheating, Alan. I've got my tracksuit bottoms on, my trainers underneath. Oh, look <laughs> at that. The, the magic's gone now. The magic's, the magic's gone. gone. And, 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 and weren't you just seen on a, on a, on a professional Zoom call with... Uh, there's a commercial yeah, over here in the States where, where a guy comes out to his back his back patio thinking that they're having a zoom call, but their friends are actually there and he's in, his, he's in what you call pants. We've just moved into a new house and I'm still getting orientated. I just came out of the shower and my missus office where the door is, is just facing out. And I looked around and I could just see this woman looking at me in my pants. So <laughs> when that zoom call is finished, I think I'm going to get dragged over the coals by the missus. But um, thanks for bringing me on. And also as well, a really great cause. Um, I know that you do these uh, these annually, so I hope everybody that's tuning in is uh, is digging in deep for this uh, for this uh, brilliant course. Um, I don't want to take up too much time, but I do have a couple of questions uh, for Alan. Um, first of all, can I say, Alan, thank you so much for 1994 in Copenhagen. That's my night that I will never forget. A night I will never forget. But the questions I'd like to ask you um, for someone like myself who's looking to perhaps break into voiceover work. I wanted to ask you a little bit about uh, your experiences when you do the FIFA games. Um, and I'm sure you've probably been asked these questions uh, many times before. I just haven't been fortunate enough to hear the answers. So when you go in for a day's work, or no, should I say, when a FIFA game actually comes out, how many lines do you think that you've had to say on that one particular game? Do you have a number? Well, what happens, <coughs> Stan, is that every year, you're adding to the existing library. So we would probably on average work about 10 days each year of like four or five hours. So it doesn't sound too much, but you're adding to what you've already recorded in order to avoid uh, repetition, really same comments about the same shot or, or whatever, you know, any, any gamer that's got in their nerves over, over the years. I'm sure that somebody keeps coming out with the same phrase. And so we, we tried to record so much that that, that was avoided. Um, so, yeah, it was um, about, yeah, 10, 12 days we did. Um, and over the course of 10 years, of course, that, that is a big back catalogue that had uh, stretched for a long time if you played all those comments back to back. Um, if someone started afresh, um, uh, like Stuart Robson is, isn't he, for FIFA 22, um, it, it's difficult then because, you know, to try and get all that down, uh, recorded uh, that that's a lot of hard work for him how heavy are you uh, directed by ea when you go in for the day are you allowed to do any ad libs are you allowed to make any suggestions i mean my all-time favorite classic alan smith comment and it always makes me smile every time i hear it it's the one where uh, you know maybe a team was winning and then they lost and then in your commentary after the game when you talk about them being almost home and host I just love that one when you say that. <laughs> and is that something that they would ask you to say, or was that something that you no, 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 no? I mean, you mentioned the phrase "ad lib." That, that it's basically all ad lib. Um, oh. It's your words. What they do, they'll give you a little um, pile of uh, of scripts, which are scenarios, not for you to repeat. They're examples of something happening. You know, we need to describe a, a free kick from twenty yards that goes over the bar or something and then can give us six examples of that so me and martin 
we would just do that in our own words and you know that home and hose thing it just came out i only said it once but obviously it gets played zillions of times uh so you're just thinking up things on the spot really and and using your own kind of back catalogue of phrases stuff that you would have used uh, over the years uh to uh, to describe the same piece of action in, in a different way if you possibly can do you, do you find that there's a differentiation that when you're doing the commentary on the game is it exactly how you would do commentary in a live situation or do you kind of for, for the and have you ever considered just replacing yourself with the fifa game when you have <laughs> when you have a game to call yeah replacing myself with a, a robot a voice so it'll happen sooner or later i'll tell you that. but um no, as one, one, once or twice me and martin have had an exchange at a live game stan and uh at half time we've looked at each other and we've said god that really sounded like a fifa exchange that did what we said at the start you know you know uh, good afternoon i'd just like to welcome alan smith or something like that you know it's, just, it's easy to, it's easy to fall into that patter um so that has happened quite a few times I, i've got to admit but obviously commentating on the live game at old trafford or the Emirates or summer is a lot different to sitting in a sound booby in soho in london um but that too, great experiences, but very different. And my last question is: when you're when you're doing it, do they give you any kind of visual cues? Are you watching any live footage or any in-game footage, no, or there's nothing? nothing. No, okay. there's nothing. Very very few occasions. Sometimes when we're commentating to a trophy lift, and uh, we need to put words, uh, we we need to talk for fifteen seconds on a certain subject, and then they cut to something else. You know the players waving to the uh family in the stands or something and they'll show us a little bit of video of that but that's the only time they've done it the rest of the time you're just staring at nothing and using your imagination uh you know just trying to think of different ways to uh to describe a certain situation whatever okay well that's it from me thank you very much for taking my questions alan and it was a pleasure to speak to you hey, stan, and uh, stan, yeah, start, stan i know you've been a larsal supporter since what the 70s yeah since well i would say probably uh i think it was the last season that liam brady played for arsenal was when i started supporting arsenal so okay very so early 80s. 80s you started off with thank you for copenhagen and then you asked only fifa questions <laughs> well, I, you know, I know Alan's story. You know, I do know Alan, no, I, no, I, I, Alan's story. But the FIFA thing is something that's always puzzled me of how yeah. it, 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 it's put together. So again, thank you so much for taking my questions. And my wearing well, up, Stan. I've got, I've got to say, he's wearing well, and he. If you saw Liam Brady play, I mean, you, you don't look that old, mate. You know, well, my secret, well, he's strategically not showing the top of his head right now. On my secret, <laughs> secret is uh, Nivea, Alan. <laughs> Oh, that's it. Yeah, yeah. But, um, Mike, if I'm up at 12, I'll join you and uh, the guys from uh, the Ars Brothers and uh, Scunny at midnight. But, again, thanks for having me on, and I really hope that the, uh, you raise a lot of money today, mate. Appreciate it, and thank you for your support and your donation, Stan. Take care. We do have some it questions can. about your playing days, and, and, um, and I want to I start with someone who's uh, very near and dear to my heart. He, uh, he elected not to come on screen yet. I don't know what he's, what he's up to in our house, but Jake – uh the man the boy um well he was a boy now he's a man i'm not revealing anything in this, i'm just saying he's he's almost 18 now. um <laughs> when, I, when i when i ad lib on him uh, good evening alan i've got a question for you what was your favorite post 89 arsenal moment i have a feeling i know what it is but maybe not uh p.s hope to meet you soon um 
that's definitely a meeting I would love to 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 sponsor. Yeah. But, uh, your favorite post eighty nine Arsenal moment? It's it yeah. It, I mean, it's not as obvious as maybe you'd think. Copenhagen ninety four, and that was a fantastic moment for me. Uh, but it did come in the middle of a period where I wasn't enjoying my football. You know, I wasn't yeah, scoring I the goals in the league actually. and everything, and it was a struggle. Uh, so that that was a brilliant night in isolation. Um, but as a footballer, as a striker, you you want to be scoring goals regularly. So you know, following eighty nine, no no team and no player want to be a one season wonder. And oh, was it just a fluke? You know, you you won the league in the last seconds against Liverpool. You can't do it again. So you know, winning the league again in ninety one was a source of great satisfaction for us and to do it with only uh, losing one game, you know, even more so. We we all look back to that Chelsea match when the things went against us and we ended up losing. But um and to and win the goal Tony Adams for second much time. season as well. Without I mean, Tony, yeah. Yeah, at a uh, Majesty's pleasure he was at the time. So uh we had to get on with that. But yeah, to, to win the league again and, and to win another golden boot on a personal level was brilliant. Uh so I th I'd say that ahead of Copenhagen. I really would. As, as brilliant as that night was, you know, and the fact Arsenal have only won two European trophies in the entire history, and that was the last of them. So that that's a source of great pride. But the other, the yeah, Ferris think, Cup? Was it the Ferris, the Ferris Cup? The Cup in 1970, yeah. You know, speaking to Bob Wilson, Frank McClintock, those players, they say that was an unbelievable night. The, the noise inside Highbury that evening was incredible. And they wanted to get off the pitch because fans were tearing the shirts off them uh, when they all invaded at the end. Uh, Frank McClintock tells some great stories about about those years. Um, but uh, yeah, um, I, I would say '91 definitely. And and Darren, along the same lines, Darren, who uh, who's had some wonderful things to say about you in the in the chat. I don't know if you've seen them or not, but favorite match uh, other than '89. I mean, everyone assumes that that Anfield '89 is the is the pinnacle, and and I don't know that. I would expect you to argue against that, but uh, favorite match would that would that be Copenhagen or is there a match, uh, you know, just a single night that that resonates for you other than Anfield, uh, whether at Leicester or or at Arsenal? Um, I'll never forget the League Cup game against Everton. Um, I think it was was it the semi or the quarters, but it was the fact that um, there were fifty. 6,000 in the ground, whatever, and another 20,000 locked outside. And the noise inside Highbury that night was as loud as I've ever heard it. It was just a frenetic match. We ended up winning 3-1, I think. I got a goal. Rocky got a goal. Mickey, I think. Um, and then at the end, we went back to the dressing room. We were all hanging out the window, the windows of the, of, of the dressing room down to Avonall Road, which was absolutely mobbed. Uh, and, you know, this was at the start of things for me and for most of the players. Uh, obviously, they won the, the League Cup uh, in uh, 87, just before I joined. But things were starting to build at Arsenal, you know, under George Graham and we'll get into another final, another League Cup final. Um, and to be a good Everton side that night. Um, that was one I think most of the lads uh, remember, just because semi-final, yeah just because of the sheer noise inside the stadium that night and the fact that, you know, 15, 20,000 couldn't get in. Uh, and that was just a sign, I think, of, of where we were going as a team and as a club. Uh, we were all, I mentioned that word hunger and desire, and we were all so desperate to do well. We were all learning together. 
um, enjoying it together, determined uh, to, to make something of our careers. And uh, that, that was a big night, that was. Well, and and that's and that's fantastic. I mean, you know, I think anyone might might think that they know the answers to these questions, but it always just takes me by surprise. And it's brilliant when you get kind of a an outlier uh, like that. I never would have I never would have guessed that would have been one of the favorite games other than '89. So uh, so thank you for asking that. Um, have a question. <laughs> have a question from now. This is one of Jake's friends um, who just eliminated him. I'm giving him props. He eliminated Jake from the tournament, the FIFA tournament that we have running right now. Uh, <laughs> did you ever do it on a cold, rainy night in Stoke? Uh, uh, to, well, to, that's the test. To yeah. give you a little bit of background, Felipe is a uh, is a Barcelona supporter who's in mourning right now. But the the thing about Messi and all these guys was always, could they do it on a rainy night, a rainy Tuesday night at Stoke? Um, you probably had some rainy nights in Stoke and Stoke-like places, didn't you? Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember playing um, at the Victoria <coughs> Ground, which was Stoke's old ground, and the pitch was just a quagmire. And it was like a Tuesday or a Wednesday night. It was tipping down with rain. The mud was up to our ankles, and I and I got the winning goal at the far post uh, late on. Uh, and I just remember going back in the shower and up to the the, the players' lounge and seeing my girlfriend and my family and that. Um, so there's been a few of those occasions, uh, like the Britannia Stadium and what is it called now? Bet three six five, whatever it's called. Uh, the pitch there is good, but uh, the old Victoria ground, it, it was a, just a mud patch. And uh, if you could do it there on a wet Wednesday night, you could do it anywhere. Absolutely. So the answer, Felipe, is yes. He, he was able to do it yes. on a rainy night, cold night, warm night, dry night, uh, snowy night. Doesn't matter what it was. Uh, Alan Smith <laughs> could definitely do it. Uh, another question from, from Darren. The chat's coming in very, very strong right now with the questions. And, and I will always ask this question because of – and you know – uh, if you remember from from previous discussions, my affinity for for David Rocastle, um, and you may have alluded to this on on one of our first couple podcasts. And by the way, tune in uh, tomorrow morning. Ryan uh, Rocastle will be on with us uh, in what should be a pretty special hour. I think at uh, at nine a.m. UK time tomorrow morning. Uh, what is your most memorable moment moment playing alongside Rocky? Big love to you, Alan from Darren. Oh, thanks for that question, Darren. Um, he was obviously a very close friend. So, I mean, it was the times we spent off the pitch were the most special with him and his lovely family. But uh, your wives I, were really uh, good, really close as well, right? Uh, I remember he was one of the first yeah. people that kind of welcomed you in, and 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 yeah, and uh, you know, Janet and uh, we we saw the kids being born one after the other, um, and we're all very close still. Uh, so it's great that Ryan's coming on. Um, I mean, as you know, Mike, he's Arsenal through and through. He lives and breathes it. Um, he is, and, 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 and we did a show last year where where Ryan was on with us for the first time. He's been on with us many times since, but where you popped in and surprised him and, and the look on his it, face. Yeah. He, he, you know, yeah. Uncle, Alan, Uncle Alan came in. And it was just, it was really heartwarming <laughs> to see that. But yeah, I, th I would I would probably go back to Anfield '89 as the favourite match because you know I'll never forget Rocky's expression when he won that free kick for my goal when Nigel swung it in. You know those gleaming teeth under the floodlights, that determination, the clenched fist. You know he was such a competitor, Rocky, and he was desperate, like all of us, to win that night. And he and he was a young man, but he he was another leader in the dressing room. Um, you know, and I'll never forget that image of him that night and the work he got through and his face at the end, he had the most uh, 
wonderful of smiles so uh yeah uh, that that would be it for me but so so many memories of the lad on and off the pitch yeah just uh i mean and and to for me to have been able to see him play um here, here's just the iconic picture of him. <laughs> for me to have been able to see him play as a guy who really had no business being in highbury or being you know involved in the arsenal given my upbringing uh it was it's just a treat that i'll never forget and i've my love for him as a player has grown so much in the time since I saw him playing, uh, you know, than, than before that. One more question, and then we're going to go to the uh, to the kind of the prize draw, which, uh, we're, you know, I, I thought we'd take the up as early as it is in our 24 hours. I encourage people to donate early uh, so that they can make sure to get in all of these. But uh, I, I've got one personal quick question that I want to throw in before you go on to the last, last question, Mike. Okay? Yep, yep. And this is Alan. Um, it's an ultimate question. Though. It is, yeah. It has nothing to do with football whatsoever. It's just curious. Um, as you can see, I'm obviously quite a Q Sports fan. Um, and I'm sure, you know, your good friend Gary Lineker seems to be crafty enough for the snooker queue in his hand. Have you ever played against Gary? And, and do you think that if he never made it as a professional footballer, um, do you think snooker could have been a second column? Well, I remember he loved it uh, when we were together at Leicester. Willie Thorne was his big mate, the, mm -hmm. the snooker player. And he used to go to Willie's uh, halls in uh, in Leicester after training. Some of us would go off to play golf. He would he would be straight off there to, to pick up the cue. And so he did. He loved it. I mean, he, he played cricket too as well, Gary. He played Mark um, Lawrence, I think. And he, he looked like, I'm not even joking, he looked off. Oh, almost professional standard of the player and that was back then yeah. so even i'm sure now yeah, yeah. he's probably advanced more yeah i mean i don't know if he still plays i've not asked him i i didn't used to play against him I, we would have a little game of snooker at um at uh, south hearts golf club we used to have our pre-match meal which is in the north of london uh in totteridge and uh there's a snooker table there at the golf club so after we'd had our uh, meal We'd go in there and we'd all have a little knockabout before it was time to leave and drive down to Highbury. So, uh, you know, down the years I've, I've played uh, enough games of snooker, but uh, I, I haven't uh, taken on Gary. He'd wipe the floor with me, I'm sure. My advice is to steer clear. <laughs> I, I, remember, I remember watching no. when I lived over there. I think Steve Davis was on his way out. Stephen Hendry was the new big thing. And and, uh, and that is all I remember about it. But... Um, couple real quick questions. The last one from a listener uh, is from Zach. Uh, Alan, what's your most emotional state when commentating on a game? Have you ever raged like a fan at something or celebrated like a madman? I'm You're too professional to for that, aren't you? <laughs> I'm not the type to celebrate like a madman. <laughs> I mean, things, things get on your nerves, don't they? Sometimes... I try, I try to give referees the benefit of the doubt, but you know, over the last couple of years, we've had the whole VAR thing, and and sometimes you're just exasperated. I mean, I was at Fulham for that West Ham game when Mike Dean sent off uh, Socek for just going like that and trying to just brush his man aside, and he sent him off for whacking him in the face. And you're looking at the replays, you're thinking, surely he's not going to send him off for that. Surely he understands what the player was trying to do. Uh, and so those kind of incidents, and you know, when the armpits offside, we've had all that kind of stuff. Players feigning injury that drives me mad as well. Trying to get you know opposing players sent off. There's there's a few things that you don't like about the modern day game, 
but as you said, you know, you try have to keep a professional head and uh, uh, keep it together and uh, tell the viewer something uh, that's quite useful about it. Uh, but uh, it's a game of emotions, isn't it? And that's the great thing. And uh, it's been difficult without fans to keep up that level of emotion. But thankfully, they are. And they're going to come back into the stadiums now. And that, and that makes it a bit easier. Well, that's fantastic. So, and, and, bef and before I forget, because I, uh, this is something I wanted to do at, you know, towards the end of each hour. Um, think about this while, while, I, uh, while I get ready to share the next thing. Your top four for this season, your bottom three in no particular order, and your Arsenal finishing uh, position. And, um, and, and, and while you kind of ponder on that, um, a quick update on the fundraising, which continues to, to, to really go smoothly as we go along. Uh, our current total at the end or approaching the end of hour two is $2,860 uh, of our $5,000 goal. We've, we've had uh, a few hundred dollars come in during this hour. Um, it, we just continue to get closer and closer to our goal, which is great. I truly appreciate it. Uh, Rob Ford, Vivek Malik, Mark, Mark Mertz have come in. Elliot Smith, of course, as we saw live on air. Um, so, uh, so we're really doing well. Got a few more people into the to the draw for uh, for the Alan Smith shirt. And uh, are you ready to to see who uh, who takes home the shirt? I'm in. That's yeah. good. Okay, let me. Can I still uh, enter? <laughs> what do you say? Can I still enter? <laughs> you can enter. Um, all right. Let's see. Sorry, there's some logistics I have to go through here, but for the for the Alan Smith, now this is a retro jersey. Any retro jersey that is sold in the Arsenal Direct shop, um, we will send it to Alan. Um, Alan, you've been a, a complete sport when it comes to uh, to signing, you know, personally dictated uh, messages, <laughs> including Ian O'Regan last year, who uh, who I actually saw down in Orlando and. Couldn't believe that you actually wrote something about the special night you spent together in Bombay or something like that. <laughs> but uh, but just a, a great sense of humor. And, Things and, you and, get me to do, I don't know. You know, I, I, <laughs> one of these days you're going to be like, we're done. <laughs> and, I, and I just, I really try to like prevent that from happening. So, um, so here are the results. The winner of the Alan Smith signed retro shirt. Congratulations to... Oh, we got to be kidding me, Kishal Ashar. <laughs> Look, I'm not. I'm not going to fix this. Uh, I'm not going to. I'm not going to. You know, if if your name comes up, you've won. Uh, Kishal also won the first prize, which was a Ruth Beck art print. Um, by no means the largest donation, by no means the smallest donation, but it is a completely random drawing. And Kishal, you have won yourself a Alan Smith signed shirt, and uh, so far. You are golden. So, um, Kashal, congratulations. We'll find out where Kashal is from and, and, and try to publicize details on that. But you are the second winner uh, of, a, uh, of a prize on the Gunners versus Cancer uh, Potathon. I don't even know what this is called. <laughs> I really hope, nothing against you, Kashal. I hope that our next prize drawing is not you as well, because then I'm going to start to wonder whether something's wrong with my randomizer. But I. I it is completely randomized. <laughs> um, 
Quick question while we still have you, uh, and 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 if anyone's joined in the last hour, just go to goonersvcancer.com. The, the, the website is scrolling along the bottom of the screen. You can enter. There's still 16 more raffles to go, and everybody who enters the raffle during the potathon is also going to be entered in the main raffle prize where you're going to have about a dozen different great arsenal things to choose from and dedicate your tickets to. So you're, you're not only getting entered for a chance to win today, but you're also going to be uh, entered into a chance of winning great stuff uh, over the next six weeks or so that remain in the, in the campaign. Um, if you want to come on, it, it's too late for Alan, but if you want to come on with any of our next guests, you can come on gooneropenmic.com. Um, the last thing I wanted to leave you with Alan is maybe the second to last thing. Uh, we <laughs> talked a year ago about the comedy series that was Tottenham Hotspur all or nothing. Now, I didn't know <laughs> that a year later we were going to be staring down the barrel of an arsenal all or nothing. But uh, what what are your thoughts as to, to – I mean, we've already had an interesting few weeks that we know at some point we're going to get some behind the scenes. But is this, is this a good move? Is it a bad move? Is it a risk? What do, what do you – Do you, do you know, I didn't this? know about this, Mike. I didn't know that Arsenal were going into it. Are they? Are they going to do a similar thing to? Spurs? Oh, yeah, it's it's already started. Mm -hmm. They're they're mm -hmm. they yeah. are the the club for this year's All or Nothing Amazon series, which will come okay. out at, at the end of the season. And um, well, it's not going to be boring, is it? You know? <laughs> There's plenty of stuff there going on. I think um, it's, it's going to be fascinating. Um, some stuff that will make you cringe, maybe some stuff that you won't want to really see if you're an Arsenal fan. Perhaps I, d I don't know. I, I mean, I really enjoyed the Tottenham one. You know, certain episodes in it were. were it was shouting. It was shouting through though. We don't want that with Arsenal. Shouting Freuder, sorry. Yeah, I mean, listen. There's obviously quite a bit of money in it for them, and it spreads the word, doesn't it, in America as well, especially. Um, so financially, I'm sure it does make sense. Yeah, I, I did. I did, I did Sorry, I, I was just club that in confidence told me that you know there is a lot of money involved. It is largely about kind of you know gaining exposure in other markets, which we have fallen short of through our footballing. Uh, you know, we're not the Manchester United that that new fans from Asia and Africa and 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 South America and U.S. are going to fall in love with because we're not at the top of the table right now, and they have to find a way to stunt you know Leicester from taking over that spot and Everton from taking over that spot and Villa, and this was one way that they did it. But I, it, this could go horribly wrong, though. I think. <laughs> Sure, surely there has to be a sense of creative control, Alan, when you look back to the, the Spurs documentary and the absence of the whole Mauricio Pochettino fiasco with him being sacked and stuff. There wasn't much footage of that. So surely that would yeah. sort of enlighten you to the fact that the club do have some sort of sense of editorial control. Oh, yeah, <laughs> definitely. They'd come to an agreement on that. I mean, you want to give a sense of fly on the wall and, you, and you're getting to see what really happens. But... Certain things a club would not want broadcast, and I'm sure that was the case with Spurs. Um, I mean, the Man City one, you, you didn't really see the inner workings of a dressing room. You heard Pep having a little whisper to his coaches, but everything he said, nothing was too controversial. He, he realised that this was going to be broadcast. Um, so, yeah, it, it's Arsenal will have a, a hand on the tiller, you know, uh, Obviously, Amazon, it's, it's in their interest to make it interesting. But, uh, 
uh, it's not something Arsenal will want to uh, regret at the end of it, I'm sure. So, uh, and, and, I'll and, get yeah, and, and approval. We'll, we'll, we'll go into more of this with our next guest who's <clears throat> ready to come on for a crossover. But the, uh, you know, the, just the, the lack of a natural environment concerns me a little bit, especially with so many young players who are, you know, who are kind of finding their voice within the, in the team. You almost think that having cameras around constantly is the last thing that this club needs right now. But, um, but uh, real quick, because I was reminded by Stephen that I that I hadn't gotten this from you, uh, who do you peg for the top four, bottom three, and where do you think Arsenal will fall? Oh yeah, I didn't know. I saw. I'm just calling up the table. I mean, as for the winners, I'm I'm going to go Chelsea. Um, I was so impressed with Tuchel last season. The the ma- massive improvement improvement he made in a short space of time. He's a vastly talented coach and. With Lukaku, I think it could be the final piece in the jigsaw. So I'm going to go for them. Um, it's always difficult to retain the title, and for Man City, as as you know, as good as their players are, I think for Pep, that's always the worry. He was talking about it the other day, bringing in players in order to mix it up, keep everybody on the toes. It's it's not easy. They've, they've done it with with Greenish, but um, perhaps them. Uh, fighting it out with Liverpool. And, and I was watching Liverpool on the pre- couple of those pre-season games against uh, Osasuna and uh, Atletico Bilbao. And, you know, some of the fringe players were looking really sharp. And I just wonder whether they're going to come storming back again with fans at Anfield. So maybe they'll pick Man City. Who knows? And Man United perhaps get in fourth place. All right. Uh, and so in no particular order, any surprises you think in the bottom three? Any kind of you know, annual Premier League teams that have been up for a while that you see going down? Big job. Uh, big job for Patrick Vieira, I think, at Crystal Palace. You know, a lot of players have been coming to the end of the contract. It was an ageing team. For an experienced manager like, like Roy Hodgson, it would have been a, a big challenge. So, for somebody like Vieira, a little surprise they went for him. Um, so, they could get dragged in if they don't get off to a good start. Watford, I think they're going to be there or thereabouts. Um, and then, you know, a, a surprise team. I, I'd hope Norwich stay up. You know, they've had that year of experience and I'm a big fan of uh, Daniel Farker. But again, it will be close. Uh, so perhaps them in the mix again. Yeah, Norwich. And, and Arsenal's final uh, final resting resting place this season. What do you, what I'm going you to be optimistic. I'm going to say sixth. There you go. Six is optimistic. All right. You're writing all this down, aren't you? You go back at me at the end of the season. I have a chart. I'm very organized. Um, speaking of being organized, we even organized this podcast so that we would have the two evening standard columnists together at the same ah, look time. Look at that. There he is, the man himself. Hi, so, Simon. Simon Collins, Hi, guys. thank you for, uh, for joining us. We're doing a uh, we, we've got the smoothest transition so far. Um, we got about twenty-one <laughs> left, so I'm not sure they're all going to go this smoothly. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Simon reminded me when uh, when I told him he'd be following you that we got the we go from the evening standard to the evening standard. So, those are the kinds of standards we set here in the evening. <laughs> Alan, it's been a it's been a pleasure. Uh, thank you so much again for joining us and for your your constant support and and friendship and 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 generosity for helping Gooners versus Cancer. The, the things that you have done for us over the last few years have literally raised thousands and thousands of dollars for the Leukemia Lymphoma Society, and and I can't thank you enough for that. So, um, no, well, it's a brilliant a brilliant cause, Mike, and well done to you and Owen, everybody involved for putting so much effort into it, and especially for this uh, 
this marathon that you're undertaking. I, I, I don't envy you. So well done. Well done for that. And, you know, I'll give you plenty of energy to get yourself through it. Thank you. And I've, and I've got some Red Bull to, to, to help me out as well. But, yeah. uh, you know, my goal is to have ex-Arsenal legends not envy me. Uh, and, and, and I'm clearly pulling that off in, in, in stage right now. So uh, the, the chat loves you. Mark says goodbye. Uh, everybody else, uh, thank you so much for your contributions and, uh, and, and the questions. Alan, take care, and we'll talk soon. All right. Cheers. Cheers, Owen. Simon. Thanks, Alan. Take care. Bye-bye. Cheers, Alan. Bye-bye.